0: Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. standing for our reading from the gospel of John chapter 3. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, How is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter a mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, You must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It is the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, How are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel, and don't you know these things? I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in seminary, I went to Candler School of Theology I took a New Testament class with Dr. Susan Highland. And I remember her challenging our class at the start of the semester to read the New Testament with fresh eyes. I think she knew that most of us wanted to be pastors or pursue higher education. She knew that this was likely not the first time that we had read the words of Jesus. And that we were all coming in with our own thoughts, feelings, beliefs, sometimes baggage about the text. And I think back to that intro class every time I read a passage that sounds familiar. If you grew up in the church, it is likely you have heard these verses from the Gospel of John before. If you worshiped with us this year during this season of Lent, you heard Pastor Julie preach on these very verses. Even if you're new to the faith, you've likely seen snippets of this passage on tote bags and coffee mugs. So, like Dr. Highland did for my New Testament class, I want to challenge us to explore this passage with fresh eyes. Are you up for the challenge? Yeah? A quiet bunch. They were quiet at 9 a.m. too. <laughs> Opening scene. We are introduced to Nicodemus, and we learn that Nicodemus went to Jesus in the night. That alone tells us a lot. The Gospel of John is filled with light and dark metaphors, and many Bible scholars believe that Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night doesn't necessarily mean literally at night, but that it is a metaphor for being disconnected from the presence of God that already kind of sets the tone for what is about to unfold Nicodemus was a Pharisee, an expert of the law. Have you ever had a conversation with an expert? Now, having a conversation with an expert can be interesting. It can be helpful. Other times, it can be exhausting, mind-numbing. I think it's the lack of humility and the assumptions for me Have you ever had someone explain something to you that you already knew? They just start talking with the assumption that one, you want to know, and two, that you don't already know. Well, that is what Nicodemus does to Jesus. Nicodemus thinks that he, as a Pharisee, a religious leader, an expert of the law, he understands who Jesus is and who God is. And right out of the gate, he comes making a assumptions. It's bold. And like a typical scholar, Nicodemus begins the conversation with a statement based on evidence. We know that Jesus is a teacher who comes from God. And it's interesting because Jesus calls his understanding into question, essentially challenging his preconceived notions. You only think you know you only know in part because there's a difference in knowing intellectually and in knowing in your soul, in your heart. Sometimes we are like Nicodemus. We are so sure that we have this whole faith thing figured out. We make bold statements. Whether we intend to or not, we present ourselves as experts and when we think we already know something then we put we, we put ourselves in a position where we are not continuing to learn to grow or as the apostle Paul says to continue the transforming and the renewing of our minds because the journey of faith is just that a lifelong journey and I love that in this passage, Jesus essentially tells Nicodemus that as soon as you think you have arrived, indeed, you have not. There is no step-by-step instruction manual to faith. Jesus responds to Nicodemus' opening statement and cuts straight to the heart of the matter. No one can experience the kingdom of God without being born again, anew, from above. Unless Nicodemus allows God to change his whole way of being in the world, he will not be able to perceive God at work. Of course, Nicodemus does not understand what Jesus is talking about. He tries to use the knowledge he already has to make sense of it all. When finally Jesus gives an invitation to To the mystery of the spirit. He says God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound but you don't know where it goes or where it's coming from. And it's the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus still does not understand. You see it's bigger than us. Our finite minds cannot grasp our infinite God. It is love and grace and mercy far beyond our comprehension, far beyond our understanding. And then Jesus continues his conversation with Nicodemus. And we come to one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. One of the Bible commentaries that I read said that it is irresponsible. Yes, irresponsible to read John 3:16 and not continue to 3:17. It's quite extraordinary what happens when you put the verse back into its context. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Can we camp here for just a few minutes? Because I want to be honest with you guys. I think um, we have a lot more questions than we have answers. This week we had multiple conversations on staff about these verses. I hopped to offices asking people what they thought. Pastor Julie came to my office with a stack of books to reference. The more we talked about it, the more questions we had. And I tried to be intentional to take off my expert hat. Like, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to know these things, right? I think it's significant that Jesus invites us into the mystery of the Spirit right before these verses. It served as a reminder to me that I need to read this text with fresh eyes, that with faith, we don't always have definite answers. And the question that kept coming up again over and over for me, what does it mean for God to give His Son. What does it mean that God gave God's Son? Bible scholar Carolyn Lewis said, "John 3:16 is perhaps the most well-known Bible verse, and yet also the most destructive. It's an assertion of exclusion rather than one of God's abundant love a verse that sends people to hell rather than voices God's extravagant grace. I realize that oftentimes when we read this text, we insert our own theological understanding that might not necessarily be there. We often read, "...for God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be crucified and die for my sins." Several months ago, I posed a question on my personal Facebook page. What is the good news of the gospel? And I got a lot of responses, a lot of really thoughtful, deep answers. Some of you responded to that post. But I did see a theme that often comes out when Christians talk about their faith. That Jesus died for our sins. And I don't want to debate that this morning. But what I want to do is challenge us and invite us to expand on it. What does it mean that God gave God's son? Not just to die on the cross for my sin, but to live here on earth. For 33 years to make friends and perform miracles and proclaim the truth. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. If we read closely, there is nothing in this passage about Jesus's death or resurrection for that matter. I think that this passage at least in part is about Jesus's life and the life that we are invited to have when we believe to understand the theological, the theological word of John, we must begin to recognize the centrality of the incarnation for the gospel. And I know that's a mouthful in its Latin form incarnation means in the flesh an English dictionary I read this week said incarnation a living being embodying a deity or spirit John has a theme a thesis statement in you if you will found in the prologue in chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God The Word became flesh and lived among us. These two claims are the foundation on which the rest of the Gospel of John is built. Jesus is the incarnate Word of God. One of the themes we see throughout Scripture is God seeking a connection with humanity. The Old Testament is filled with ways which God tries to connect with people— But it never seems to work quite right. From creation to judges and kings and prophets, God is constantly trying to connect with people. There are successes. Yet it seems like these methods fell short of the connection that God longed for with us. So... God gave God's son. God took on human flesh. The message translation says it like this. It says, God moved into the neighborhood. You see, it's easier to relate to a neighbor than it is to a faceless God. And thus the incarnation, God taking on human flesh and living among us so that we can better see, better understand, and better relate to God so that we can believe, so that we can experience life, eternal life. One of the unique things about United Methodist theology and eternal life is that we believe eternal life starts now. It's not something that happens after we die, but it is a journey we start the moment we believe, when we acknowledge God's love and grace in our lives. So here's why I think reading John 3, 16 and 17 in context matters. Because reading that God gave his son, not just to die on the cross, but to show us how to live, that changes everything. It gets personal. God knows our experience, is able to empathize. He knows what it's like to be hungry and tired and sad. God knows what it's like to feel alone, to break bread around a table with friends, to party, at a wedding, to experience grief and loss. God knows what it's like to have people turn on him, to be misunderstood, to laugh, to cry, to take a deep breath. You see, we don't serve a distant God. We serve a God who loves the world so much that God gave God's Son Not to judge or condemn us, but so that we could believe in that love and experience eternal life. Now, I would say that is pretty good news. So do we have all the answers? No, we don't. It's what I call an invitation to the mystery of faith. It's putting ourselves in a posture so that we can continue to learn and grow and transform. It's knowing that we're not alone and that the spirit is at work in us and through us and around us and y'all sometimes despite of us. So I don't really have a bow to wrap this up and bring it all together. But such is faith and life. It's often messier than we would like to admit. But it's okay to have more questions than answers. And God loves you. Like, God really loves you. I'm gonna close by reading verses 16 and 17 from the message this is how much god loved the world he gave his son his one and only son and that and this is why so that no one need be destroyed by believing in him anyone can have a whole and lasting life God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son to merely point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.